want the W, Dan. That's what I want. Give me that dub. Give me that dub. Yeah! Let's go! Let's go, girls! Hey, guys, and welcome back to another Gold Coast Frontline podcast where we talk all things Gold Coast Titans and the community. Today, we're going to need to keep as positive and as high energy as we possibly can considering the weekend but this podcast does go into everything Gold Coast Titans and we do try and put it on a positive spin you know we want to give you guys hope we want to give ourselves hope as well it's not just about you guys it's also about you know keeping us positive to to, to really believe in the goal of this club and the the drive of this club going forward and you know hopefully when when myself and my co-host are discussing everything about rugby league you know you guys are also feeling that passion and feeling the same energy going forward because that's exactly what we want in today's podcast obviously we do go through the men's game, the women's game, which was exciting over the weekend, the host plus cup action, and just everything going right around in our community. So really excited to get into today and discuss everything that's happened over the weekend, but I am joined here by my co-host in Clarky. How are we doing, man? Yeah, g'day, mate. G'day to all our viewers. Thank you. And listeners, of course, on podcast. Thanks for coming back and joining us for another week. Uh, as Blaze touched on here, it, it wasn't the, the best week in our club, particularly as oh. we focus on the NRL, NRLW, plenty of reasons to smile there. Uh, but the aim of this podcast will always be to promote positivity amongst Titans fans. And that means we won't, we're won't we not going to not keep it real and, and give tough reviews where we need to. Absolutely, that's a part of it. Uh, but Blaze and I have just seen too often in not just our community, the Titans community, all NRL fan-based communities, after one loss, the toxicity in the comment section and the personal attack of players. And we're just not about that. We feel it doesn't help our club move forward in any way. And so if we can use this podcast to give everyone an entertaining hour to listen, everything Titans, but also foster some positivity in there, we think that could be a real bright spot in our community. Let's kick it off with our Titans news. Uh, we start off with just, just one today, actually. Philip Sami. Now, News Corp are reporting the Roosters are interested in signing him. Sammy's been with us since under-20s, Blaze, so we'll go straight over to you. Are you a little bit worried we could lose Sammy, or do you think we're safe and we'll resign him? I think this one, comparatively to Tino and Dave, is a bit more of an unknown to me, but I also have no belief and no thought process that he will leave. I think that he knows what we're building here. We've just re-signed a lot of our guys long-term to 2026 and beyond. You know, the likes of Bowie Firma, David Fafita, Tino, uh, you know, AJ Brimdog, Millionaire. You know, we've got a... Just a whole heap of guys that we've really locked down. Jaden Campbell, locked down long-term, that I believe that Philip Sami would be able to look at and say, you know what, I want to stay here. This is my home. This is where I'm from. And I want to remain with this club going forward. I know Desi might be a hard-nosed approach, but in the same sense, we might come out with the chocolates at the end because of it. So, look, I, I haven't spoken to Phil about this, and I probably wouldn't speak to, to Phil about this, but I don't get any vibe from him that he would be looking to leave. I do see him at, at the end after the games. I do see him at trainings and whatnot. And I just haven't ever gotten that vibe that he is you know, on the verge of, of leaving to go elsewhere. And look, to be honest with you as well, the Roosters are linked with everybody. The Roosters are a club that everyone just links to, especially when they're going through their problems. Regardless of the weekend's results, they're still going through major problems in their club right now. So, yeah, I think that this is just another player being linked there. They've just signed Dom Young on uh, for the wing as well. They've got Daniel Tupo on the other wing. And I feel like it's going to be really difficult to, to see him going there unless he goes into the centres position. But overall, again, the Roosters just get linked with anybody and everybody. And this could just be another one of that. Yeah, completely agree. Like, if, if we see the headline, Tigers linked with Phil Sammy, we we probably dismiss it and go well. They're probably not a realistic <laughs> chance. But no offense yeah. to Tigers fans, but um, but that's just the the honesty of it. You know, whenever you link anyone to the Roosters, it's a story because people, if they don't care, they're going to at least comment and give the, these newspapers interaction and ask oh, salary cap sombrero. They sign everyone, brown pay base, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. For what it's worth, as far as um, Titans players, I would actually say I am the most closest to Phil, just because we both love UFC so much. So we're always talking about that. Uh, but I've never, I guess had the courage to ask him about that it's a private matter um, my gut feeling is he will stay i love phil he's one of my favorite players so i hope he does stay where i do get a bit nervous is the sydney roosters um they are known for not just selling you the club they sell you after football that's what brandon smith was so keen to go there and phil sammy's re-signed with us until the end of 2024 as is daniel tupo with them so he could become the replacement there in 2025 but they cannot talk to him until november 1st so fingers crossed our Titans hear this and start talking to him before November 1st. 
and um, locking down long-term because I think Phil's someone who's going to start pushing for uh, rep jerseys, whether that's for Samoa on the wing or even the Queensland Maroons is in such great form. Well, the thing is as well with, with, with Phil is that I don't want to lose the celebration. I did hear a stat, a really crazy stat that I don't really like, but apparently every time he does one of his famous celebrations, and his, fa- his celebrations are awesome every time he scores a try, but apparently there's a stat going around that whenever he scores, we don't win the game. Whenever he does that, well, like a celebration, we don't win the game, you know? So uh, there, it was a couple of weeks ago there was one. There was the one against the Eels with the Gutharino over the top of him. For some reason, there's this stat going around that I really hate because I want to see more of it, but I'm pretty certain. I got the, I think I saw this last week and I, I spoke to Phil about it and he just seemed like he'd heard it too, which is a problem because I don't want to see yeah. him not celebrating those tries, man. I love it. I love it. It's so entertaining for, for what it's worth from like a try July perspective. I'd love if that was just all year round. It's so fun to watch. Um, here's one on Greg Marzu was another epic one where he said too small. And then oh, Mazu yeah. scored and said to him, you're too small back. Yeah. That was a nice little battle from two of our, or one and one of our current and one of our former wingers there. Let's kick mm-hmm. into our NRLW review. We defeat the North Queensland Cowboys 16 to 6 at Seabus Super Stadium. Um, I know you were there because I heard you through my television as Politi made a break. I heard, go! And all I could see <laughs> as she ran down the sideline was you smashing the drum. So love the passion there, mate. And what was the crowd like? What was the vibe like? How was it live at the venue there? I do think the crowd was, was quite good, to be honest with you, man. I know that it was the first game of the women's season and the women's game in regards to publicity with the general NRL fan that is usually quite staunch in the, the culture and the history of it all in regards to the men's game. I am really happy that there were still quite a few people that did get out to the game. Obviously, we were there in the front line, the official sports club of the Gold Coast Titans. We got out there early. I was getting those drums up. We were getting some chants up. I actually said that to Karen Murphy and Aaron Booth at the end of the game, at the end of the men's game, uh, after, obviously, everyone's left and we're out the back. I said to them, you know, I did my best. I wanted to, to get our as much support as we possibly could for the women's game because I am really excited for it. And obviously, we did get a good win against the Cowboys. And the Cowboys did give it a really good run for their money as well. It's not like they were just really easy rollovers. They were the ones who scored the first try of the game. And then we came over the top of them there. But yeah, look, I'm just really excited about what the NRLW potentially has to offer this season for everyone. Uh, again, we, we got that crowd going. I did actually, funnily enough, because it was a doubleheader, right? So before because it was before the men's game, I did want to conserve my energy because I know how much energy I put into the men's game. So I wanted to kind of conserve it, also conserve my camera uh, battery life and whatnot. Yeah. But I wish I didn't. I really wish I didn't. I wish I got more of that women's game to and, and pushed even harder in regards to the voice and the noise because it absolutely deserves it. And also the second game didn't really go to plan. But it absolutely deserves to, to get that passion behind it. And again, we won. We had errors in our game for sure. It was the first game of the season. And they might not be used to playing in front of, uh, you know, we, I think we had nearly 10,000 people there by that time. So, yeah, look, I was um, I was really impressed with it. And I'm hoping that this is a, a really good point of our season where we just push on from here and say, you know what, we got a good start. Now we take on the Bronx next week, slap them down, and we're going to keep on moving, baby. That's an amazing crowd number, too. 10,000 is awesome. Uh, for well, 8,000 is near 10,000. 8,000 near 10,000. Yeah, 8,000. Oh, that's, a, that's, that's a lovely crowd number. It's great to see people get out and support uh, because in my mind and pretty much everyone's mind, it's not a curtain raiser. It's a genuine double header, particularly when we look at our women's side and can see that they are premiership threats there. Uh, but simply brilliant by our women. I know the Cowboys did score first, but I felt like that try was just against the run of momentum. I felt like we really were in control of that game. Manselman, a great scoot, caught us uh, lacking a little bit in the middle there. Fair enough. But even so, I still felt confident that we had the composure um, to come back. And we we were making errors in that as well. That's not to say we were absolutely perfect. I think that confidence really came from Polite, though. Every time she ran the ball, something happened. A tackle break, a line break, a half break, something. Just an explosive fullback there. Um, She's unbelievable. yeah, Yeah, you can't really say any higher of her. She is, in my opinion, the best fullback. And I know you've got Tomagato and some other absolute guns there but I'll, I'll take our fullback over anyone in the women's game. Um, only negative was our completion rate down at 60%. Realistically, you could say that's not good enough, but I think that there are some excuses, whether first game of the year, new signings, um, but particularly the fact that we lost our key 5'8 in Fumayano, and then we lost Emily Bass on the wing there as well, who's a rep state of origin winger. So 
we did have to face some adversity. It wasn't a perfect win. And I actually view that as a positive because we get the chocolates and we also have something to look forward to and build to next week against the Broncos, which we will preview in just one moment. Before we do, can I get your three, two, ones? Who gets your three this week? I think I know your answer. Yeah, I think we all know my answer there. Just before we do go into those three, two, ones, I also want to reference the fact that, you know, we actually went over the try line like five or six times in this game. You know, we, we won the game 16-6, but dead set, we have the attackers. Unfortunately, they were the correct calls in regards to the bunker. And another shout out here has to go to the bunker because I thought they were really snappy. They were really quick with their decision making and it was the right decision. So why is it in the women's game, we're very happy with the bunker, but when it comes to the men's game, it's a completely different story. I, I think that the men's game needs to take a, a leaf out of the, <laughs> the booklet of the, the, the women's game because honestly, the bunker was fantastic. I thought that they're, yeah, look, overall, the, the Titans had so much attack in them and were able to get over the line so many times, was taken off, but it just shows that when it goes right, like when we get this team in order, that again, that was the first game of the season, they're going to be dangerous. They're going to be real dangerous. And they could have easily put a score past the Cowboys in this game, which was, granted, the Cowboys' first ever game in the NRLW. This was their first ever opportunity to play the game. Them alongside the Tigers and I think it's the Sharks, who's the other team. Is that correct? Yeah. Yeah, and Raiders. Yeah. Oh, and the Raiders. Yeah, there you go. So there's a couple other teams there as well. Uh, but the point of the matter is, is that, yeah, we have a really good opportunity here with this team, especially the fact that we went over the line like four or five times that weren't tries, include them with our tries, and if we can get them right, bang, we're coming. But obviously, three, two, ones, my three, there's no way that I don't take Ivanka Pelletti. I don't, there's, there's no way you can't go her. She was absolutely dominant. The, the tackle breaks that she had, the ball movement she had, the way that she just really owned that game was absolutely unreal. And you saw people who were NRL fans from other teams who may not even be NRLW fans, but watching that game, they're saying, you know what, well, she's a talent, man. She's a talent. She did it for the Australian Sevens team as well. Obviously, has come across to us and she's a massive, real leader and that's exactly what we need with this team especially considering we've just brought in a whole heap of girls from elsewhere who changed the team up quite dramatically but guess what Ivani Pelletier is going to lead this team to glory I can tell you that right now completely agree she's my three points as well I know she plays center for the Maroons to accommodate to make Upton at fullback but I still think Pelete probably has a little bit more x factor than Upton who you could probably say is a little bit more consistent with her kick returns etc uh, but I got Pelete three points she scored a try now, she only had 17 runs and 16 were tackle breaks. So mm. only one time she ran the ball, she did not break a tackle. That also led to two line breaks, 246 metres, three offloads. Um, uh, I mean, uh, need, need I say more? A uh, magnificent game. My two points, I'm going to go Georgia Hale, our captain. I'm not sure if this is an NRL record, but she did have 49 tackles for just one miss in the middle. Um, I have asked an NRLW fan page on Instagram if that is the record. Uh, but add to add to that, Blaze, just had a line break assist and 97 metres from 11 runs. So a really busy effort by our captain in the middle. Who gets your two points this week? Yeah, it goes to Georgia Hale as well, 100%. You know, she made an incredible amount of tackles. I did give her my, my potential MVP vote when uh, we did this last week about who we thought was going to be our best players going into the rest of the season. I thought she was unbelievable and just ran the ball damn well hard. It was really incredible to watch uh, her lead this team as the captain, and I was not disappointed whatsoever with it. We faced adversity with the fact that we had all those tries taken off us. We faced adversity with the fact that we had a couple of injuries go down. But Georgia Hale rallied the team and got us over the line in the end to win the game. So, And, and also, uh, just to say, like I know it was the Cowboys' first ever game, but it was, again, it was our first ever game. It was our first game as a team as well. And we've got so many expectations this year. You know, you're in front of a crowd with this crazy drummer who's drumming as up a storm on the sideline. You're hearing that noise when you're not really necessarily used to it. I'm not saying that that's a bad thing at all. I'm saying that's a good thing to get used to. Um, but the, the women are really starting to come into a game now where they've got a lot more eyes on them. And that with that comes a lot more pressure. And I think Georgia Hale really encompassed and, and really encapsulated this team really well to push on through that. So, 
yeah, really, uh, really thought that Georgia Hale was fantastic as my two. And then in my number one, there is a couple there. That, and, uh, you know, I think that majority could get a shout here. But I do have to go and look straight to Talia Fuimayono, who did get injured in the game. But I thought that overall, when she was on the field for the 47 minutes that she was, and uh, again, you guys have got to understand, it's a 70-minute game, 35-minute halves, not 40-minute halves. So Talia Fuimayono was on for 47 minutes. And I thought that she really did well in that 5-8 position. You know, she had uh, two line break assists. She had 29 passes, one offload. Her tackle efficiency of nine tackles was 100% in defense. Uh, ran for 82 meters. And it says there's a fantasy game here. It says total points, fantasy 33. I'm not too sure uh, about the fantasy there. It'd be actually potentially good to, to get on in, into that. But yeah, I thought Tali Fumamonu came into this team and, and did well in that 5-8 position. Got to be, give a big shout out though to Destiny Mino Sapati, uh, who did really uh, kill it on the wing there for the Titans. And um, yeah, I just, I really, I'm loving this team, man. I'm loving this team. But I think Talia Fumamonu was really good with my one point. Well, I'll save my honorable mentions list because I could literally name the whole team in one aspect or another. Um, everyone was brilliant in this one. So I'll go one point, Jamie Chapman. Uh, a key signing for us, as I mentioned in the World Cup in our NRLW preview, six tries in the centers playing there in two games. Unreal talent and just looked dangerous for us every time we she touched the ball. Outside of Polite, I would say she looked our most dangerous player. Um, but certainly there was some great work being done through the middle by our forwards as well in, in a low scoring game. Jamie Chapman, my one point, but plenty of honorable mentions uh, you could give out. Let's preview our next NRLW game. Let's stay right here because our NRLW team are all the talk at the moment. We're against the Broncos at the Gabba, 5.40 p.m. Thursday. Now, I don't know about you, but personally, I'm thrilled to have a doubleheader on Thursday nights. I love the Friday classic doubleheader. Having it on a, a Thursday night is awesome. Seems like a difficult game to predict. When you look at the Broncos side on paper and you look at what they've achieved in the women's game, you probably would lean to them. But they did lose by 18 points um, they did have a send-off, 18 points in round one, that is. They did have a send-off in the second half. To their credit, from that point, they did only let in one more try, but they also didn't score any points at all in the second half. And looking back at our game last round against the Cowboys, I thought the second half was probably our strongest half, which is exciting as a Titans fan if you catch my drift. Um, so I think that we've got the <laughs> really, ability to bro, really we, hang We're going to do this, man. Really? Really? <laughs> we're going to do that? Yeah, <laughs> um, my apologies there. Uh, but look, I just do think that we have more of an 80-minute team in us. I feel that way. Now, Fuimayano is named in the reserves. It will be massive if she is able to return for us. But I do feel confident we can get the job done um, without Fuimayano if we need to off the back of Lauren Brown against her former team. Um, I'm feeling confident. I want to say 13+, plus, but I think it's a little bit too early in the season to go handing out 13-plus tips. But I do still think we beat the Broncos. I'll say 1-12. to 12. What's your prediction for this one and how are you seeing it? For me, I'm going to have to go with 1-12 to 12 as well. I'm pretty much on the same basis that you've said there. I am really confident in this game here for the Titans women, especially coming off the fact that we've won the Broncos did lose. However, the Broncos did lose to a good Roosters team who are the favourites to win the comp this year. Uh, the Broncos do sit down there in ninth position out of the 10 teams, which is really low for them because they were the prime team of the NRL for a few years. I remember there was a time in like the first three or four years where they had not lost a single game. A single game, there was a point. But obviously, the competition is a lot more rounded now. There's 10 teams rather than four teams. And it's just a better product at the moment. So that's why you're seeing the Broncos not as dominant as they have been in the past. Very similar to, you know, adding in teams in Southeast Queensland where the men's team isn't as dominant as they have been in the past. But look, I think the Broncos still have a pretty good team here. You know, they've got Ali Brigginshaw, who's their captain and halfback. She's absolutely unreal. She's been around for so long now. She's so experienced. She knows how to get the job done there. Uh, she's won multiple NRLW premierships and could easily go on um, to, to try and lead this team to another one. I don't believe the Broncos have that same quality as they have in the past. But look, Gail Broughton's there as well. You've got Destiny Brill on the hooker, who was with the Gold Coast Titans women recently. Tasman Gray also was with us. Uh, you know, they've just got... And then you've got a big front row forward pack of Annette Claudia Anuya-Sala and Chelsea Lenadusi. Like, they've got a really big four pack there. So I think that we are able to, to match it. But I also think that they definitely shouldn't be held without 
like any quality at all. They do have the quality there. But you've got girls like Ivani Palati. You've got Emily Bass on the wing, who was fantastic, alongside Destiny Min on center party. Jamie Chapman and Niall Williams. That's just an unreal back line. Really looking forward to seeing what Sienna Lafifo can do in the halfback this week, considering uh, we're probably going to be missing out on Talia Fumaono. Uh, and then our four-pack is just, it's full of international. Shana Mato, Jessica Elliston, Lauren Brown played for the Broncos, so hopefully she gets a good return game there. Uh, Shaley Bent, Zara Canfield, and Georgia Hale. And you know what? I've got to get a massive shout-out going here for Steph Hancock as well, who comes off the bench for us. You know, she's no young pup anymore, but I tell you what, she looks like she is just an absolutely experienced leader, and I love it. She may be, what, 40, 42 years old, but it looks like she's damn well 30 coming off the bench there as a front rower. It really is just awesome to see what she brings when she grabs that ball, runs it hard, and she takes like 3, 4, 17 defenders to take her down. So it just shows it doesn't matter you know, how old you may be, if you've got the quality, you've got the damn well quality. And Steph Hancock, for me, she, uh, she definitely has the quality. And I can't really say enough about Steph Hancock. The respect I have for a, a real pioneer of the women's game, you would say that while she was representing the Gillaroos and the Maroons a number of years ago, she was taking leave from her job as a police officer in the Queensland Police Force, risking injury that would then mean she's unpaid. So not only does she do a fantastic job as a police officer in the community, brilliant football player, brilliant leader of our community. So Steph Hancock off the bench there was really, really important for us. So it sounds like we're both confident we do beat the Broncos, but we are wary because they do, do still have some stars there, such as Brigginshaw, um, and of course, Tasman Gray, who was the yeah. MVP in the Women's Origin Series. Destiny Brill is a, a really good hooker that we know all about because she was with yeah. us. But just before we do move on here to the uh, the game, we don't want to recap. I do want to mm. bring up the ladder here for everyone. Even though it's only been one game, it's good to understand where, where we are kind of situated. So there are 10 teams in the tournament, and it is a top four, not a top eight, because then there'd only be two teams that miss out. Uh, but we do sit right in the middle, bang in the middle at fifth position because we did only win by the uh, 10 points there. And there were some pretty big blowout scores this weekend. So, funnily enough, the West Tigers and the men's might be on the bottom. But guess what, baby? They're on the top here. Their first year in the competition, they got a massive win over the Eels. West Tigers beat the Eels there. So, they're on top with a plus 28 points differential. The Roosters, they're in second after their big win against the Broncos. Uh, the Knights had a nice little win there as well. The Sharks had a win. And uh, the, now the Titans are in fifth. So, we're not in the top four just yet. But it's irregardless, realistically, because it is the first game of the season. So really think that uh, by next week, yeah, we're definitely going to push in there. Uh, because do any of the teams out there play each other? Yeah, the Sharks and the Tigers play each other this week. So yeah, I think we'll be in the top four and hopefully a big win in coming against the Bronx. Slap the Bronx, baby. Let's do the double in Brisbane because the men's beat them in Brisbane. Don't forget that, Broncos fans. Mm. And now the women are going to do it in Brisbane as well. And of course, we are one and one against them in NRLW history. You touch on the ladder there. I want to touch on NRLW finals just for one moment. I know you're a BBL fan as well. I think we're both, unfortunately, Brisbane Heat fans. We wish it was Gold oh, Coast he's Heat, but whatever. <laughs> um, it's Gold Coast Heat from now on. It's not Brisbane Heat. Let's just put it that way. Um, they do it. The first game is fourth v fifth. Then you have first v second. If you win that game, you go straight to the final, guaranteed. You then have the loser of that versus whoever was third. And then the two remaining teams play off in a prelim. I think that might be better for the NRLW. It's it's tough to explain um, via just voice. But if you Google BBL Finals Explained, um, if you're interested as one of our listeners, you'll see it. Could be a good way to run the women's game because, of course, there is 10 teams. So five logically makes sense. Yeah, but let's, absolutely. Uh, I, I agree. I think that makes sense because I think right now it's first, first, fourth, and second, first, third which is effectively like what the, it used to be in the NRL when it was like first versus eighth, second versus seventh, which was quite silly. And I know this is a lot more condensed, but overall, I think that what you're saying is, is a better idea. You get more teams in the finals. It is half the competition. And I, I just really, I, I think that you're right. I think the BBL system would be exactly what the NRLW should, should consist of. But I do know there are whispers in the air that Manly could be getting a team in the coming years. I don't know about what the Warriors are doing. They used to have an NRLW team. I don't know if they want to get back into it. Um, and there's still a couple of teams out there. You know, there's the Rabbitohs, there's the Panthers, uh, who don't have teams yet, the Melbourne Storm as well. Uh, so there's still quite a few teams, Dolphins as well. So there's still quite a few teams that don't have uh, a, a runner in the NRLW just yet. But look, for the time being, I agree with you. And especially if it's like a 12-team league, then yeah, the top five would be, would be brilliant. Yeah, I can't wait for like five years from now where we have hopefully at that time an NRLW national competition, a reserve grade national competition, and an NRL um competition as well that that would be awesome let's uh 
Let's touch on no. something that wasn't so awesome. No. Uh, no, because please. we have to. <laughs> no, please. Um, our, our game last last week, we lose to the Roosters 18 to 36. I will say that scoreline looks favorable for us. It really the Absolutely. game didn't, it didn't go that way at all. And I, I'm I'm cautious here of being overly negative for the sake of it, but also giving our viewers a product that's not entirely honest. And if I'm being entirely honest. I don't have too much positive to say from that game. I am wary that a lot of other content creators and sometimes the mainstream media already kick our club down and, and have negative things to say. And it's not, you know, I'm not doing a Ricky Stewart, the world against us, woe is us sort of thing here. I think that's just the facts of it. But my first observation was, and I don't want to make any excuse for this side, but I think our fans to try to understand what went wrong potentially is the last three games taking a massive toll on the, the mental sharpness of our side. Uh, three crushing losses when you look at it. We could have beat the Raiders, probably should have. The Dolphins one was just plain unlucky. The first team to be picked for that um, in the NRL for like over 10 years. I can't even remember the last time. And then the next week, that same call is not made in our favor. Um, so to lose back-to-back twice. games. Yeah, it's yeah twice. It's it, it was a it really tough pill for us to swallow as fans. And so I can only imagine as players, they felt that even worse as that is what they work towards every hour of every week. And that is their livelihood. My disappointment for this doesn't come from the result as much. It comes from the fact it was David Feder's 100th NRL game. I love Dave. The community loves Dave. The players love Dave. He's just re-signed with us long-term. He's been our best player this year. 100 NRL games at his age of 23 is genuinely remarkable. And I felt like it was something we really should have celebrated, put a lot of thought to, and I would have hoped we would have come out and performed a little bit better for Dave there. I felt like as as a club and as a community, we've really owed that to Dave for what he's been able to deliver for us this year. It wasn't to be, mate. That's all off the field stuff. Let's go to you for on the field stuff. I know you were there live, um, and I guess it must have felt pretty deflating in the stands. Oh, man. It, <laughs> yes. Yes, it did. It definitely did. And if people want to see my live reaction to it, obviously there is the vlog every week on BKR Sport, but... Man, like, it was so deflating. It was incredibly demoralizing. And I wouldn't say that it's... It wasn't the same emotional response that I received and I think a lot of the fans received after the Dolphins collapse when we were up 26-0 to lose 28-26. I think this one here, when we were down 36-0, was more... Like, we just... It was more demoralizing as a whole because you know what impact it had to our season and in regards to getting into the finals. We needed to win majority... Like, all of them, all of our games to go, or even just six out of the seven. Uh, but that doesn't get us off to a good start. So now it's like realistically 100%, we have to win every game from here on out. We do have a tough schedule to come here. I just think it was so demoralizing to go down so early and so cheaply. And that's exactly what we do every single week. We give up a try really, really early in the game. This game here, uh, the Raiders game was another one. I believe the Dolphins game was another one. The early uh, Dolphins, not the early Dolphins game, the early... Uh, Eels game as well, the Eels game this year, the other week as well. Just every game, it seems like we go on the back foot in the first five minutes, and if we don't turn it around quickly, then we say sayonara to our game pretty early, and that's exactly how it happened on the weekend. Um, it just seemed like the Roosters just kept rolling through, and I felt like I was really detached to the game from the stand. I was just standing there, and I was trying my best to get some chants up. I can't tell people to chant. Like, I can chant... I can't tell any other people to chant. And unfortunately, we just couldn't get anyone to, to really get behind it because we just saw what was happening in front of us and we just kept conceding. We just They just kept going. And yeah, it was a really disappointing game. It was a really disappointing game. And I don't think that any of the boys are unaware of how deflated our fan base is right now and how poor of an effort it was. But again, it was... That last three weeks was really mentally taxing. It was really mentally tough. And the boys obviously would have gone to this game a little bit lethargic. And I thought that, you know, we might have had a bit more in us because of the day for feet, 100 games, because of the fact that, you know, we had so much to play for. I was just expecting a bit more. And I had that bet with a Roosters fan, another content creator out there that I had to, you know, back in the Roosters for the rest of the season. So that's why you probably would have seen that video on Instagram. I wish I didn't have to do that. I've also got a bet in regards to I can't shave until we win another game. And this bet went four weeks ago. I was so confident we we're going to get a win. Please win. I need to. <laughs> I need to, man. But 
Yeah, look, really disappointing effort. Uh, hopefully they can turn around this week against the Cowboys at home on Sunday. Uh, we All we can do as fans is get out there and support this team and just hope that it turns around. There was a couple of good efforts individually, but overall, really disappointing outcome. Disappointing outcome too when you look at the ladder and the fact that Eels are on, I believe, 24 points now. Roosters are on 22 points. Uh, one win outside the eight, which would have been us with a better four and a gangs than the Roosters this year had we have won. Instead, our season more or less looks to be over. I think it, we'd need some sort of miracle uh, from here in beat size. If, if I was going to give like a percentage, man, and we had this a couple of weeks ago and you asked what percentage I would give, and I'd say that it's it's a 5% chance. I'm not going to flat out decline any opportunity of us making the top eight. Even Tino said this to me at the end of the game, like, don't give up hope yet. I understand that that's just kind of like player-to-fan conversational point there. But I would say that we're a 5% chance. It's extremely unlikely. Extremely unlikely. However, we are still ju- like four points or whatever out the eight. There is six games to go, so that's 10 points there. We need a lot to go in our favour, though. Like, the Manly Seagulls are above us, the Knights are above us, Rabbitohs, they've got a good run home, um, the Eels are there, you know, you've got also the Dolphins and the Roosters, so there's so many teams that we need to lose now, it's not in our own hands, and also we don't have a buy with a couple of those teams having a buy. So, mm-hmm. I would say that don't flat out decline any miracle of it happening, but I highly, highly doubt it for sure. Yeah, we're looking at a 2009 Eels kind of run from here. It's been done before, but it is super, super rare. Um, To give my quick recap of the game, I I guess, let me get this out of the way right now. We were really, really poor. We were absolutely poor. But I don't know what me, without a professional background in sports, coming on this podcast and telling you guys that in any great detail does. Everyone that knows the game from a fan's perspective and watched the game knows we, we were bad. For me to sit here and start picking out individual stats or players and stuff like that, I don't really think I can add too much value for you guys there. Um, certainly, if you're after that, you know, there, there's, there's analysts out there such as Joey Johns for Channel 9, Matty Johns for Fox, etc., etc. So the other side of the coin, you just have to compliment the Roosters. That The way the Roosters played, they would have beat most sides because they were playing expansive football in their own half. They had the long-range tries, which is a stat they've led the NRL in when they went back-to-back. They're, they had the X factor flowing. They were playing free, fast, exciting brand of footy that really suffocated us. They it didn't suffocate like their us. Season was on the line, mate. They were playing like their season was on the line, which is exactly how we should have been playing. Yes, that that's 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 more than fair criticism. That's that's absolutely how they were playing it, and we weren't, um, which is really really unfortunate. I believe that's also their tenth win in a row over us, which is a really, really bad stat. Our next game, we will likely be huge underdogs, and I want to see a big response from our team in that one. The positive to take from this was that we won the second half, eighteen to six. But I'm not going to sit here and spin that in a massive positive for you guys and be dishonest. I don't think we performed too much stronger in the second half. I think it was more a case of the Roosters put the cue in the rack and said, "Well, look, we're up thirty-two nil or thirty-six nil, whatever they were up at one stage." We don't need to keep, you know, carrying on with this. We've already won comfortably. Um, so ultimately, I want to see us perform strong in the second half when the game's on the line and we need to, not in situations like that. So it's a, it's a minor positive, but ultimately, I'm happy positive. to leave. You yeah, go a, ahead. You want a big positive? The big positive is that, hey, listen, Suwili, Suwili, nothing. He's 0-1 against me on my sideline. Doesn't matter. You know, we might have lost the game, but guess what? The individual battle, you guys know me. I'm with my drums right behind them on that uh, eastern t- touchline. I'm about five, ten metres behind him. And I got into Suwali'i. He might be able to get his kicks from everywhere else, but I made him miss from my wing. So he's in my left pocket. I've got Jermaine Asako in my right pocket. Don't even start me on Mitchell Moses the other year. And don't even get me going on Zach Lomax. So I'm doing my job on the sideline. I'm making the miss their conversions. I even saw Cleese. I messaged him this the other day, actually. I even saw Cleese watching me when they scored. There was a scored. Then the boys are obviously huddled behind the post. And Suwali's going for his kick. I could see Cleese <laughs> laughing at me from behind the post because I'm just looking over there and then I made a miss and yeah, we all went up there so yeah look obviously we lost the game but you got to look for the positives man you still got to have fun in the stadium um, it is a day out at the end of the day you know it is rugby league at the end of the day we all love it we're passionate and yeah we're emotional for it but look for the individual wins and the positives and although you know we lost the game I own Suwali'i and uh, he's off to the rugby union now because of me it's not because his contract because of me he's scared he's scared I get it go to rugby thank you for coming
And I've actually got unconfirmed reports um, coming in that the New Zealand All Blacks are looking to sign you. They are so worried about the signing <laughs> of Suwili to the to the Wallabies that they think they need you from the sideline to slow him down a little bit. So uh, stay by the phone once we finish this podcast, mate. I think you might Makes have sense. a phone call there uh, yeah. for the All Blacks. But let's jump into our three, two, ones. Let's finish this on a positive note, right? Uh, my three points, I'm going Aaron Clark. Doesn't usually start for us, but I loved his energy starting. He had five tackle breaks, four off. 157 meters he did score late also and you could tell that he kept the same energy throughout the game still mattered to him regardless of the scoreline as he took it toward jared waria hargraves he gets my three points but who gets yours yeah i'm gonna go chrissy randall i'm gonna go chrissy randall i thought that he was in it and it's hard to say brilliant because of the fact of the results because he still was in the team but i thought that he individually had a really really nice game considering that i don't even think chris knows what position he's playing anymore does he play front row does he play back row does he play hooker that he, he was signed for and had to play while sammy varrells was injured does he play lock what is he off the bench he doesn't know but it doesn't matter because he's so good in every position you can just throw him in there and he's a tackle bot and also had the most line breaks in that team he had like two line breaks in the game which was really good there for for what chris can provide we didn't sign him to provide all this in my personal opinion I thought he was just going to be a backup hooker to Sam Verrills which is what we needed at, at, at the beginning part of this season but it just has been so much more and I think that with every passing day the trade of Greg Martiu for Chris Randall has absolutely come up trumps in our favor um, even though Greg's doing well for the Knights don't get me wrong there I just think we needed Chris Randall we've got plenty of depth in the wing department also made the most tackles out of anyone in our team. Uh, really appreciated what Chris Randall has done here. And uh, did also, yeah, he scored that try as well. That really helped. So Chris Randall, I'll give him my three points for, for sure, yeah. Two points, I've got Chris Randall there. Um, can't really add too much to what you said. He was perfect. 38 tackles, four tackle breaks. One of our best forwards out there. Uh, but what I will say is moving forward next year, I think it really helps having someone like Chris Randall on your side because you can still have Jaden as your 14 and Chris Randall as your 15 on your interchange because Chris is no longer just a backup hooker. He can come on and play prop, lock, back row, anywhere in the forward pack as required. That, that for me means we can, and I can feel comfortable carrying Jaden in that 14 um, because we have a genuine, uh, another genuine utility there that can cover a range of positions. Uh, who gets your two points this week? I'm actually going to give it to Mikey Fodawaker. And I know he gets brought up every single week, but every time he ran the ball, it was just really, really tough. And we needed that those kind of runs. I don't think it was his best game by any means, but he ran for 197 metres. So that's the most run metres in our in our team over the weekend. And I think that although you can look at guys like JC who might have come on and provided a bit of extra you know, oomph to the team, you, know, you, you could look at guys like Aaron Clark, as you said, who brought some real energy. I just think Mo is just so consistent. And it's so it's a necessity right now that we do have that consistency throughout this team because there is so much that has gone wrong in regards to chopping and changing and coaches coming in and out, shaking all about this season that Mo has been a real constant and consistent player. And, you know, I saw him after the game. I saw how dejected he was. He is so passionate for this team. He loves this team, man, and just wants so much success for, for the fan base and also for, for the, the Gold Coast community and just in general. So... Yeah, I, I've got to give my two points to Moeki Fodawaka there. And then for my one point, I'm going to give it to Ez Clark. Just because Ez is just... When he gets going, man, he's such a tough ball runner. In that 13, obviously Isaac's usually there. I think we've wanted to see him get into that 13 for a little bit now. And he didn't do—he didn't disappoint, really. You know, it wasn't obviously his greatest game either. Again, look at the scoreline, and you can see that all these guys, it might not have been their greatest game ever. But Aaron Clark, as you said, you know, the tackle breaks, the, the, the offloads, just everything he brought to the game, he just runs that ball hard, man. And I know that he, he wears his heart in his sleeve, and he is... So you can see and sense the frustration from him immediately after a game. Happened in that Dolphins game that he got pinged for. Happened this game. Every time I see him... It just really, you can see and sense that that frustration that he has. That he just desperately wants this team to succeed. So, yeah, I'll give it to, to Ed Clark as my one. I've got my honorable mention as Mwaki for Tuwaka, but I actually went Brian Kelly for my one point. He scored, had seven tackle breaks, and I probably thought as far as our outside backs are concerned and, and point-scoring opportunities, he did look our most dangerous. So my one point goes to BK there, who could be playing for his future without a contract from 2024 onwards with a new coach coming in. So that was great to see from Brian Kelly. Let's kick over to Around the Grounds. Now, typically in this segment, you guys would know we review the Host Plus Cup games, but there actually wasn't any this week. It was a break round for everyone. I assume that's to uh, mirror their season with the NRL. 
um, so that they can have their finals on grand final day, etc., etc. Well, I will just uh, just quickly as well, just because we're not doing the review. I will. I just want to let everyone know where everyone actually uh, sits right now, and obviously the games that are coming this weekend. Just because obviously it's great yeah, that people are able to see um, what is coming up this weekend. So for the Burley Bears, uh, we do have the Northern Pride, and they play at UAA Park on the Gold Coast, which is 3 p.m. on Saturday. Uh, the Bears currently sit in second position right now. South Logan Magpies are in first, but they have the bye, so the Bears unfortunately can't get over top of them. But if the Bears want any chance of winning that minor premiership this year and finishing in first, they need to absolutely whoop the Northern Pride here. But the Northern Pride are one spot out of that top eight, so they really desperately need a win here. But if the Bears, they're plus 120 points differential, whilst the Magpies are plus 190 points differential. So they need to really start making up that uh, that 70 gap in the difference department. And then the Wynnum Manly Seagulls as well, who are just behind. They've got a better points differential of plus 172. They're two points behind the Bears right now. And the Wynnum Manly Seagulls, they have... Uh, who do they play? They play the Sunshine Coast Falcons, who have been in some really good form lately. And they're in eighth position. So the Bears would love the Falcons to do them a favor. And the Dolphins in fourth position, they have a bye. So they can't go above the Bears because they're on 25 points, whilst the Bears are on 28 points. And then on the other side of the spectrum with Seagulls, they're on 22 points right now. They actually have a bye, which really helps out their causes while they're in seventh. They'll put them to 24 points. And the Capros, they're playing the Clydesdales. So you would assume the Capros probably win that game with the Clydesdales down there in 13th position. Uh, but it does help the Seagulls that they won't drop out of the eight because the, the Falcons and Pride and Blackhawks obviously wouldn't be able to go above them. So, yeah, lots going on there. Obviously, the Bears really trying to get a big win this week and the Seagulls just hoping the Clydesdales or Papua New Guinea Hunters can do a favour uh, for them against the Capras and the Tigers. Interested to see how our Tweed Seagulls coaching staff handled that two-week break. Obviously, having the week off last week and now uh, a bye round. I like to think probably come in early in the week and start your preparations for your next game nice and early. Um, but I want to go through our players that have gone back to cup level this year from the Titans. And let's say we, we both probably agree we're at about a 5% chance to play the finals from here. So probably an opportunity to give some of these players some more NRL experience in games. Uh, for the Bears, which of these players would you like to see a little bit more as we close out the NRL season? Keanu Kinney, Ken Mamalo, Tony Francis, Jacob Arlick, and I can go by, through them one by one, or does any of them jump out at you straight away? I think Keanu Kenny for sure. But with that being said, we've already got a frustrating dilemma between AJ Brim, Dog Millionaire, and also Jaden Campbell. So, uh, but Keanu Kenny is an absolutely undeniable talent that when he gets his opportunity, he was thrown into the mix again against the Rabbitohs this year. You know, that's not an easy game to be thrown into the mix. And I thought he still handled himself quite well, despite the stats not favoring him. Uh, yeah, obviously Jacob Alec. I would love to see him get more of a crack. He had a great game when he came on uh, to play against the Dolphins. He only had an assist with his first ball, but unfortunately uh, he hasn't been given another green light just yet. And look, obviously you look at McKaylee, who has come in and we thought we'd see more of him, but he got like maybe 10, 20 minutes against the Dolphins in that original game at Suncourt. Besides that, we haven't seen it. So yeah, specifically I'd be looking at Kinney and Alec. Uh, I don't know if we can fit Mamalo in. I know people are crying out for it, but we've got Philip Sami. We've got Lafayette Camprera. We've got the wings there. I don't know what people really want. There's uh, yeah, there's other players as we'll get to with Tweed. They're still there as well. So yeah, I don't know. I, I think that Kinney and Al are the ones that I really do look towards though. My quick assessment is Kinney, probably not just because we already have Jaden Campbell unable to get to that starting side, which everyone says he should be. Mamalo. Probably not again. Our, our wingers seem pretty set. And if not, we've still got, you know, Philip Sami that shifts between center wing, uh, Aaron Sharp as 18th man, etc. Francis, I think still probably a little bit young. Just keep chipping away in reserve grade there. Uh, another outside back, it should be noted. Arlick and McKaylee, I'm saying yes. Um, I, I want to see more of Arlick. And I think Tom McKaylee, I want to see more of him and CB can play for a future with our club. Um, because I do think he had a few really good games when he was with the Tigers. For Tweed, i got four names for you. Cruz Leeming, Joseph Verna, Tremaine Spry, and Thomas Weaver. Any of those four men you want to see thrown into the mix a little bit more this year? I think Tommy Weaver. Tommy Weaver potentially could could get an opportunity. And with all due respect, our season is technically still alive right now, so you probably wouldn't be seeing any of these guys coming in until a little bit later when the season is officially dead and buried. Um, but yeah, Tommy Weaver is our future in regards to the halves. So, you know, we could definitely see him come in and play a bit of seven if, you know, Tanner's not exactly performing to the standards that I know that he can achieve. I know he can play really well. 
Um, but Tommy Weaver could come into that seven, or he could go into the six, and Kizer could have a bit of a rest. You know, give Foz a bit of a rest there while Weaver gets a little bit of an opportunity. Tremaine Spry has the same kind of issues in regards to Mamalo, where we just have that wing depth right now, where you know he's really fighting hard to get there, and you know with the centers we've got a heap of depth as well, so it's really difficult to see him. I think Werner has been given enough of an opportunity. I don't think necessarily he needs to get back into the team, but. You know, I love what he can provide off the bench sometimes. Uh, but then Cruz Leeming as well. He is going to be off back to the Super League at the end of the year. He did what he did for the club. I don't think that Leeming is going to come back in the team. I think that Leeming, he provided a purpose, served his purpose, and we'll, we'll go home. And we, we don't have any ill feelings towards him. We thought that he did a great job when he had to, and then he goes back home. My assessment of those for Leeming and Vuna, I'm going to say no, uh, just because both are off contract and Leeming is officially signed with another club from next year. Tremaine Spry, I'm probably going to say no as well, just because Shop is already 18th man, and Spry's been in and out of the NRL enough now where he's already got that experience. Tom Weaver, I'm going to say yes, but it depends on Kieran Foran's toe injury. Because I know earlier in the year he was reluctant to get surgery because it would rule him out for the rest of the season. But if his toe is still at a point where he requires surgery, get it now, Foz. Let's give Weaver some games to finish the year. Get it now, Foz, and come back for a big preseason, um, ready to rip in for 2024, as opposed to getting it after the season and then missing a large chunk of the preseason where we need you there as one of our most experienced. So that's my call there. Bit of a bold one, but could go our way long-term. Current injury list, Jimmy Joloff's hand injury has been pushed back to round 25. Tino is suspended until round 24. And Bo Firma will be returning uh, in 2024 to that ACL also. Let's move on to our team list review. Not many key changes to really speak about here, man. Uh, Cleese Haas goes to the bench. Joe Stimson starts again, so they swap around. No Aaron Shop again. He's 18th man. Jojo feed preferred in the centres there. And no Jacob Arlick again. Isaac Fa'asua Malaoui is preferred there on the bench. Anything jump out to you there? I would love to see Alec. I would love to see Alec. And I think that Isaac Fasil Malawi is fine, absolutely. You know, I love the bloke. But I do think that Alec just deserves an opportunity right now to really show it. I think Isaac's been given uh, a little bit this year. I think Alec hasn't really been given the similar amount of opportunity. So I would love Jacob to, to really come in and, and potentially provide what he did against that Dolphins team. Uh, and it is a big, big Cowboys outfit. You know, they've got the likes of Jason Tamalolo with Cobb against my boys, Sammy Mack, Sammy McIntyre. You know, they've got uh, the likes of a tough Jake Granville, Ruben Cotter, what an absolutely tough player there. Um, Luchan Leilua, Cohen Hess, John McLean, Reese Robson. They're just such a really bolstery team. And I do I do think that Alec would really do well against this kind of lineup here. So, yeah, that's probably the only thing I'm really looking at there. I don't necessarily mind the, the re-inclusion of Joe Stimson as long as Khalees Haas is still there. I think Khalees got caught out a little bit in that game against the... Uh, against the Roosters that we don't want to talk about ever again. But yeah, look, overall, I think that this team is what you would expect. It is Isaac Liu in that front row. We'll see if that ends up happening because we saw Chris Randall got included into the front row late for Liu where Liu came off the bench. I think it might go the same way, but Liu is another big body to counteract this Cowboys team. So yeah, look, I, I like the team, but I am still hurting from the weekend. Yeah, that's pretty much the 17 I expected. I probably thought that they would swap Stimson and Haas back. Now Stimson's had a game under his belt um, returning from the head knock. Uh, but let's preview our game. This round, we are up again because the Cowboys. Sunday, 4 p.m. at Seabus Super Stadium. My first thoughts on this one, the location. And I just I just can't help but wonder, imagine if we played or won some of those games we should have early in this year and we were coming to home this weekend. I think we've got the Warriors there again next weekend again. Knowing this stretch of home games, well. how much it would mean to us as well. Um, instead, it's kind of just, uh, I, I guess what I'm trying to say is I wish these home games meant a little bit more to us because there would have been some awesome energy on the coast for this month coming into the finals for our side, but it wasn't to be. Um, that's okay. We're still not officially out of the hunt, but it's it's not looking likely. Cowboys are no joke at the moment, man. Um, we go back to round, let's go round 12. I would have tipped us to beat them. But since their round 13 loss to the Eels, they drew a line in the sand and they said, we are not a bottom eight side. We are a top four side at best. They actually haven't lost since. Uh, they've gone on a six-game six, uh, win streak, which includes win, uh, wins over the Panthers, Storm, Rabbitohs, and Tigers by 74 points. 
They've pushed their way into seventh. They've got a lot of momentum at the moment. Just being realistic, I'm struggling to see if we can halt that momentum. I'd love to see us do it, but I, I would struggle to give us as an official tip in this game. Do you see it that way as well, or do you think we could spring an upset on the Cowboys? This would be a massive upset right this second because the Cowboys have really come into some form, and Sammy Valame has really helped them out. He obviously was at the Canberra Raiders and then I think made a mid-season switch over to the Cowboys and has had a brilliant season with the Cowboys. Um, you know, players that weren't in form at the beginning of the year are now in absolute dynamic form. Scotty Drinkwater is looking like he might be the fullback of the year at this point. Tom Dearden's been solid. Murray Tolungi has been great with Oregon as well. And therefore, pack is just really, really tough. So, uh, yeah, I, I do struggle on an official tipping level to to back us in here. Obviously, we'll be there and supporting this team. We are major underdogs in regards to the betting market. And you are right, you know, and that's why I'm so deflated at the moment because I know what the end of season stretch had to offer. We were always looking at this end of season saying, you know what, if we're still in the hunt, we're competitive, you know, we're really going to be able to push for it. But I think that, unfortunately, the sacking of Justin Holbrook has really halted any kind of momentum that we could have had. We kind of cut our losses early, um, just in case, obviously, with the signing of Desi, just in case, so that we didn't have a conundrum later on in the year. I don't know. It's it's a really deflating situation right now, but you've got to just pray and hope that we can utilize some home some home belief and use the fact that we're still going to have fans out there despite the tumultuous year and despite the fact we've never really had success to be happy with. We've just got to get out there and support this team and the boys have just got to do what they can to to hopefully make us you know, happy for once because we, we usually don't really have a great deal to be happy about. So I'm really looking at blind belief here. I'm looking at blind belief based on the fact that I know our back line is good enough. I know that our halves, when they're on, can be on. I don't think that the half battle of Tom Deed and Chad Townsend is too different to Kieran Foran and Tanner Boyd. And then our forward pack is missing Tino Fasul Malawi, obviously, but I still think that overall, this forward pack can match it. It's just that I am still hurting from this weekend. I think we're all still hurting from the season gone so far, and it's hard to get pick yourself back up and go again, but we do need to pick ourselves back up and go again, regardless of what has happened in the past. We just need to go again. When I look at this game and I, I think, are we a chance of an upset? I've, I've got to go through our season. Round one was a, a coin flip against the Tigers. We got the win there. We did defeat the Storm at home, and that was a big upset there. Round four, I thought we were on the way to beating the Cowboys, if not for the injuries to Foran and Brimo in that game. But it was a different Cowboys side then, so I don't necessarily read into that one too much. Our win against Manly in round nine um, was at their home stadium, and we were underdogs there. We were also underdogs the following week at Magic Round where we defeated the Eels. We defeated the Broncos at Suncorp in round 17 as underdogs, and that was our last win. So there's, there's what, four or five games there this year where we have won as an underdog. So I'm not going to say it's completely out of the realms of possibility, but just breaking this one down, Titans hat off purely from my, my footy analysis. I don't necessarily see a key to victory. I think our forwards will match it with theirs over time. But then the X factor of Holmes and Drinkwater for the last six weeks has been too much for a lot of great sides. Panthers, Storm, Rabbitohs included. Tamalolo off the bench. That's a genuine worry. That doesn't matter who we put off the bench. Even if we put... It doesn't matter. No one can match the X factor from Jason from the bench in the competition. So I do think the Cowboys recognize this game as a very winnable one. And they know that they need to keep winning to continue into that top eight. I give our boys hope if the Cowboys kind of turn up with their attitude. It's just the Titans. We've already won this. We're on a six-game win streak. We're cruising. Finals around the corner. If they come in with the wrong attitude, like the Melbourne Storm did in round three, we're a chance at our best to upset the Cowboys here. But we do need a lot of things to go in our favor. Look, if I've got to give an official prediction... I will be tipping the Cowboys in this one. I just think they're traveling a little bit better than us at the moment. But that's a tip, guys. My heart lies solely with this logo. Touch the wrong side. Whoops. This logo right here on my chest. <laughs> I mean, thanks for sponsoring us, my pay now. But it doesn't lie there. It lies here with our Gold Coast home. So my official prediction is in no way who I want to win this game and who I will be supporting. Titans through and through. But officially, I do think the Cowboys have the runs on the board here to get the win over us. Uh, official prediction from yourself. 
People know that I'm going to be there. People know that I'm there every single week. People know that I love this team to the core, but I do have to tip the Cowboys. I, I have to be realistic with you. I think that if you're looking at this from a non-biased perspective, the Cowboys have too much form right now. The, the Cowboys do have a lot of belief in what their team can provide right now, and they just have a team that was in the preliminary finals last year. They've now re-found that form and people are starting to talk about them to, to go even higher up into the table. So it is a scary prospect. I, I think that our boys can absolutely give it their best go. But if you're going to look at an official prediction so that you don't think that we're just biased here on this podcast and we're going to tell you just a bunch of lies every single week, I will tell you that I think the Cowboys will probably win this game. But that doesn't stop us from getting out and supporting this team. It doesn't stop us from believing that our team can win this te- game. Because I do believe that our team can win this game. But it just everything needs to go right for us. For that to happen. So yes, unfortunately, I will have to tip against us, uh, but I'll be banging those drums just as loudly as the week before, the year before, and every year that we have. Yeah, so both going to Cowboys officially, but there is that underlying belief that we can get an upset based on what we've done this year with a couple other ones, but we do both acknowledge it sounds that a lot of stuff would have to go our way. Let's jump into our Q&A section. Our first question this week comes from up the... Sorry, before I get into our questions, if you do want to ask a question for future weeks, the best place to do that is the Gold Coast Titans Frontline Podcast. Search that on Facebook and you'll see our group. Join there. Uh, We'll accept you. We can talk all Titans things there and you can also ask your questions every single week. If not, the other place is BKR Sports Story on Instagram. Our first question comes from Up the Dragons 5. So we've got a few Dragons fans listening to the podcast. Uh, welcome to the Dragons fans, I suppose. Um, but he says, are you going to get any Titans players or stuff on the podcast? I know we've previously spoken about this. Has your view changed of that um, anyways recently? 100%. At, point, at points we will. But like in the same sense, we are still building this podcast so that you guys can trust what we have to say before we do get the players and the staff and whatnot on. You know, we are currently uh, trying to provide you guys another perspective and opinions about the team that we do love and we are just still kind of bringing that one up this is obviously still a brand new podcast we've gone nearly 10 episodes now i think this might be 10 episodes now Uh, but the point matter is is that we have been punching along and and hopefully you guys are starting to understand where we're coming from and you can feel our passion you can feel our love for this team and then from there, like we obviously do know the, the players, we do know a lot of the, the staff and we absolutely will try to get them on and whatnot and we'll, we'll get them on at some point. But I think that right now we're still at a point where we're trying to build your guys' trust because we want your guys' trust. We want you guys to trust that we're giving you the legit no, the legit uh, points of what's happening rather than just kind to, you know, give you the the only the positives and not just you know we want to provide a positive podcast but we want to be realistic with it as well so yeah still building i i believe you've probably got the same viewpoint clark here that's it it's not so much building the audience or building to a certain number or views each week that would signal for us yep let's start doing player um staff interviews it's more so building that belief from the community that what we're delivering every week is a quality product that people want to um, spend an hour of their time listening to. And of course, we're always very appreciative of that. But certainly in the future, we do have an aim to do some sit-down interviews, maybe some virtual ones, and we could cover players' um, life up to the NRL, interesting stories they might have. We could do some fun segments where we ask players, you know, who's the most annoying in the team, whatever, and get everyone's response. All that sort of stuff has been planned and discussed in the background. But for now, we just want to build up your guys' trust and deliver the best possible product with us. Our next question comes from Summer Harvey on Instagram. And they say, where do you think JC slots into our team the best? I'll start this one off, Blaze. It's a great question. I do think, and from what I saw on the internet after our loss to the Roosters, a lot of people saying we need to get rid of Boyd. Uh, Jaden should be our seven. Boyd's no good. And I just think, come on, guys. If Boyd was good enough for the first 20 rounds this season, he's good enough to be our halfback in round 22. Um Although Jaden did come off the bench and he does bring a lot of impact there, we need to recognize there is still a pecking order in the NRL and at our club. AJ Brimson is the Maroons fullback currently. He needs to be the fullback. Tanner Boyd has been our halfback all year and he's played brilliant for us for majority of the year. He needs to be our halfback. And so I get that Jaden is playing some really exciting footy off the bench and when starting for us at the moment. But I just think for now his best position for our team 
is still at 14. Do you mirror that or do you think JC should be starting? I think that it's really, really difficult, man. Like I really have, it's, it's such a frustrating dilemma, but it's a good dilemma, but a frustrating one too, because JC, like in an ideal world, yes, should start. But with that being said, we do have a state of origin caliber fullback who is our number one. JC comes on against the Roosters when the queue is in the rack. The Roosters have nothing really left to play for. They should have because they had to fix their points differential, but they didn't. They kind of fell asleep there and allowed us to get a few more tries. I don't look at that second half for anything for the Titans in my personal opinion. I really don't. I think there's positives for JC. I love my boy JC. I'm always backing him in. Um, but it's just such a difficult predicament to have. Maybe you give him more of a crack in that sixth role and give Foz more of a rest towards the end of the season because you know he has been really pushing his body throughout the year. Love what Foz has done with us this year. But maybe you start to kind of blood JC through those halves. Uh, and I think that Tanner is our future, man. I really do. I think that the club is pretty determined to maintain Tanner as our seven, as he's still our seven this week, and he'll still be our seven the week after. Uh, it was maybe one of the rougher games against the Roosters, but truly, man, like it is, it's such an interesting conversation to have around JC because he can play 14, he can play in the halves, he can play fullback. Maybe you put AJ into the centers. I don't know. I think the best position for him would be. I think that in a in a crazy world, you probably put him into fullback with AJ Center. I think that is probably where he he does look. However, I don't think the club will do that. It's up to Des Hazler ultimately as well. Like that's only our opinion. Des could come in and say, "No, I want a fullback with X factor, um, and, and I want." I want you, Brimson, at six, or I want you, Brimson, at uh, center more. Yeah, likely. AJ Halves as well is a good shout as well. Or, or, or maybe um, Des goes, I want Foreign as my seven and I want Tanner as my 14 coming off the bench and playing in a 13 role. We don't know what Des wants yet, um, but certainly for Jaden, he's so talented, he should be starting. But I just think with where we're at at the moment, his best position is still 14. Our next question comes from Bailey Jacobson on Instagram. And he says, which key aspects need fixing in order to win more games and make the finals? For me, I'll give one right away playing 80 minutes and probably our mental sharpness coming into games. Uh, I think if you go through, uh, if you go through our losses this year, round two to the dragons, I think we could have beat them round four at, at Townsville. I thought we were unlucky with the injuries. So I'm happy to leave that as is uh, the reason why I think we could have beat the dragons is because we literally did beat them a few rounds later. Mm. Yeah, the Seabus Super got in the game, and that's exactly where they found the gap. Exactly right. We go to our next game with the Broncos. We were looking really, really good at halftime in that one. We didn't quite have the mental sharpness to go on, as was the same in round eight against the Dolphins. We then lost to the the Knights, forty six to twenty six at Newcastle Stadium. Uh, we we were pretty well beaten that day. Happy to say we would have lost that one. Round twelve, we somehow lose to the Doggies. 20 to 18, with a bye week coming. We, we we just needed to win that and go into the bye and collect, you know, double points there. Um, Rabbitohs game was always going to be a tough one. They're a great side. But then we rebound, smash the Tigers, go into a bye, beat the Broncos. Hello, look at this momentum. Let's stay sharp, boys. We then drop a really unfortunate one to the Raiders. And then we know what's happened the last, uh, the next two games from that with the Dolphins-Eels. We come in around 21. It was a 50-50 game with the Roosters. We were slight underdogs. And so I, I guess, not to drag it out, sorry, Blaze, but the point I make is if, if you actually go through how close we've been this year, we could genuinely be in the top four. There's so many missed opportunities there because for one reason or another, it could be inexperience. I think it's still sharpness. We weren't quite there. So that's where I put my finger on the, on the pulse. Um, how do you see that question though? What do you think is the, the key aspects we need to fix? I think the key aspects we need to fix is just a consistency around the club. And that's not necessarily in regards to the playing, but it's just about the off-field stuff. You know, we've had a lot that's gone on this year. We've had the 
the sacking of Justin Holbrook, the bringing of Desi Hasler, how much that situation hurt. We've got the nonsense surrounding Dave, and we've got Tino in regards to their contracts. We've got the Ben Hunt situation that has blown up around our club as well. You know, we've had so much that has been, there's been so much noise, and we're not like a Roosters or a Rabbitohs or the Broncos who can kind of deal with all this head noise coming in left, right, left, right, left, right. It's just never really been our club. So we've, when we've had the Jared Hayne noise in 2016, we struggled. You know, every time we have noise, it just seems like there's way too much going on in this team. And I think that if we're going to really push forward to being the better team that I know that we can provide, especially under Desi going into next year, he's a guy that knows how to deal with that noise at Manly. You know, he'll rip into the media. He'll rip into the NRL. He'll defend the club. And I know that he's been around the club in recent weeks. I've spoken to people. He's been around the club in recent weeks. He is tinkering with the team. He's trying to figure out his plan of attack. So, you know, I'm just looking forward to a fresh start with Desi Hasler. I love Justin, but Desi Hasler comes in, and I think he's going to be able to really restrict the noise. He's going to be hard on the players, but he's going to restrict the noise that gets into them. So, you know, I don't know what that means overall, but I just know that if, if there's anybody that we should trust, it is a guy like Desi Hasler who will come in and rip and tear. Rip and tear, rip the door off the front, rip the front door off. That's what we want from Desi, and that's what he will do. We did have a question here from Jess God, 94 on Instagram, and they asked if Louis Mayano is ruled out, how much does that hurt our Titans NRLW chances? But I am pleased to say that News Corp reporting it's it's been like scans have cleared any serious injury, and she isn't even a chance of playing this week. Uh, the reason why I still read that one out is because we do welcome NRLW questions in this segment, Absolutely. also. But from me, that is our, I'm not too sure how long, but it, it, it might feel just like a long one for so. you guys. Just over an hour, which will probably be our running time moving forward. Now we are also including the NRLW recap preview. We'll have host plus games to review for you guys next week. And hopefully a Titans win against the Cowboys at home. Then we'll be at the same time to break it all down, review it all. And we hope we can see you there. So from myself, thank you very much for being here. And over to you, Blaze, to say uh, goodbye to the listeners. Just need everyone to turn up this weekend on Sunday, 4 o'clock at Seabus. We just need everyone to turn up and do our best to support this team throughout all the struggles, man. We beat the Cowboys women. Now let's get a nice little no yee-haw today against the men on Sunday. We just need to find a way to pick ourselves up and go again. If there's a club in the NRL that knows how to do it, it's us. We've done it for so long now. Just pick yourselves up, go again, enjoy the day out at the 40. It was a beautiful day on Saturday at Seabus Super Same, despite the results. Now, regardless of the results here, which we still do have belief in this team, get out there, get behind the front line, the official support club of the Gold Coast Titans. Let's get some noise going. There will be plenty of Cowboys fans there. And I can tell you right now, a precursor, the week after, it's not going to be any easier because we take on a Warriors team that's going to have 25,000 fans in our stadium, truly, because with their, their fan base right now, with the, the amount of people joining them and also just the fact that there's a large Kiwi population on the coast, there's going to be a lot of Kiwis. So let's at least try and outnumber the Cowboys here at Seabus before we have to deal with that one. But yeah, that's that's it from me. Obviously, if you're on YouTube, hit that subscribe button. If you're listening on Spotify, Apple, and the likes, we do really appreciate everyone who does support the content that we are putting out there. And we are, you know, we are moving and grooving. We are putting ourselves out there regardless of results and giving you guys the best that we possibly can. So like I said, no yee-haw this week. Slap the Cowboys. Come on, boys. Let's get it rocking. No yee-haws, son. No yee-haws, Clarkie.